the people who are doing NFTs are dealing in speculation early on, right? So there's that shadow. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately what you're getting to is the fact that savvy providers of entertainment realize the audience doesn't care. The audience doesn't care whether you're using streaming servers versus HTTP servers. They don't care whether it's Web 2 or Web 3. Do you think there's hesitancy because people know that it's still controversial? My first conversation is with you is, I've got a solution that you can put your stuff up, pay me once, and it will be taken care of forever. The next conversation is, huh, tell me more. Okay, no one can interfere with this because it's permanent. Yeah. Great, tell me more. You're tuned to the RCast, where we talk about the blockchain. On the RCast. And how your data remains. It's the RCast. Where our drive is the topic. Censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Welcome to episode 10 of the RCast. You can now share private drives. What? So let's say you have like a photo of your friend's birthday and you want to share it privately with them. Well, you're in luck. You may have seen some of the recent press surrounding Arweave and R Drive. We've just launched a super exciting project called RIO. Stay tuned for more information on that. And this week, we've got a very exciting guest. Now, this is a man who's worked on teams that have won Emmys. He's worked at Netflix. He's worked at Disney. He's done a lot of really interesting recent work in the blockchain sphere. So this is my interview with David Watson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the RCast. I'm here with David Watson, who's a man I've known for many, many years. We actually, way back in the day, went to the same summer camp, we realized, right? In the same week, we were guests, right? At Stanford camp. That's right. And actually, before that, you were a staffer. That's that's true. I worked at the camp, this camp for Stanford alumni, and uh, we connected because you were at Netflix, and we were working on some stuff. And we had a meeting, and then we suddenly both realized, wait, we know each other from Stanford camp. Is That's kind of what happened, right, David? Or No, exactly. I, uh, I don't remember whether I reached out to you or you reached out to me. I think I saw one of your videos or you, somehow we crossed paths. And I remember we had like a full meeting in person. And then we were having phone conversations because we were just so engaged with each other that I was driving down uh, El Camino on the phone with you and I had to pull over and go, I remember where I know you from. And I remember distinctly you with your run DMC ball cap on. And I remember, oh, that was that guy that that uh, was serving me pancakes. You're someone who comes from a world, you know, physical media, originally working with CD-ROMs, going into TV, getting Emmys and working with Netflix, and now working in the blockchain sphere. And you have the interesting perspective that really resonates with the R drive and R weave philosophy that you get people to do what they want and seeing the value in it. Yes. It is understanding that in a world where it is easier for someone else to provide something similar to you, that you can't just say, I've got something so precious, you will jump through hoops to get it. You may have to start there, but you can't rely on that. You have to realize that there are others, so you need to. Uh, th- there are others that are providing the same service or value that you're going to produce in a different way. So you want to appeal to well, why does someone want this? Why does someone benefit from this? And what do they want? And can I provide that to them in a more delightful way, a more efficient way, whatever it is? And the interesting thing about all this is that, like, 
blockchain technology and blockweep technology has this desire to decentralize things. I mean, that's that's the main technical ethos of it, decentralizing things, making it more accessible for people. There are hypes in everything, speculation in NFT, which I think better or worse is appealing to one audience. Um, but I think the things that, that Bay Area is paying attention to is that this is a real viable technology, right? The more people that get on board, the more money that is spent investing in it or participating in it is a signal that this is something that is growing in strength and the technology by design, unlike a centralized database, is improving with more people getting involved in fixing things. I have conversations with sort of my web two friends all the time who are like, oh, see another, there was another problem with a blockchain. And like, that's the problem with blockchain. And then me and my sort of uh, other web three friends or, or evangelists are like, no, that's exactly what's happening. And the fact that those are coming up means they're getting fixed and those problems shouldn't happen again. And it really, to me, in a nascent technology, is all about how fast can you get through all of those problems and how fast can those problems be addressed so that it is more reliable, so that it is more trusted. And when you have a system that's built literally on the idea that you can't trust anyone else, you have a mechanism to self-heal. As a, And, I, and I, I talk about all of the bad actors out there that are trying to do bad things state-sponsored or individual-sponsored, they're trying to do things. They've got an army of people who will get more complex. Would I rather trust my information to a company who's hire, has to hire people to fix things on their priority? What is a priority to them? Hopefully my interests and their interests align as a customer. Or would I like to rely on a technology that everyone has bought in that's participating in it? And everyone is trying to fix, or at least there's a there's a reason for them to fix it. And I, I tend to lean towards the second. And I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist. I, I think companies, for the most part, do try to do what is in the best interest of their customers because that's to their bottom line. I just think the speed of an advancement of a technology in blockchain is unlike anything we've seen because it's appealing to so many people. Interesting. So it, it fits like an, a emotional need it fits like a sociological need as we've kind of adapted with the popularization of what we saw in 17 and 18 of these nfts crypto kitties and things like that which were interesting technologies but it was oh holy cow there's a lot of things that i have to keep track of my ownership of my college degree right if someone wants to verify my college degree they have to call the college and hopefully they've got a system in place to answer the phone quickly or look something up online. Well, what if I can, like, so instead of an NFT or a picture of an ape, it's my college degree. Or what if it's, you know, uh, my tickets to the concert, all this sort of stuff. I mean, the plane ticket analogy to an NFT is great. Mm -hmm. But quite honestly, the airline has a really vested interest in understanding that this ticket is allowing you on the plane. That's all they're doing. But companies like schools, companies who issue certificates, a, a friend of mine I was talking to, he's like, I'm a lawyer. I have to take certificates. The California Bar Association has to keep track of whether those certificates I've taken. They're terrible at keeping track of records like this. That's not their business. Right. So why, you know, like, why should they 
hold these records for me. Not that I don't trust them. They can hold a copy of it. That's fine. But why not just put it on a place where anyone can look up and see whether I've earned this certificate or qualified for this? Yeah, and that's what's and that's what's interesting about the Are We project because it's this permanent record of history where we can use the blockchain to save data. Your college experience, you were in the Pacific Northwest right in the middle of like the beginning of the huge mass adoption of grunge, right? That's that's correct. Yeah, I remember when Nirvana's Nevermind came out and Pearl Jam and all that. Yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of speculation like, oh, I was at the first Nirvana show. I was at the first Pearl Jam show, but there was no way to authentically verify that. The printing systems were not, you couldn't just go down to a company and, and have them spit out a t-shirt for you, right? So you your physical t-shirt that you bought at that concert was your proof of experience, mm. right? That was, in, and it wasn't really in question. So back then it was taken at face value. Now that is not a statement that it was true in the origins of, let's say, the Grateful Dead, right? The Grateful Dead started creating these amazing tickets because there was so much bootlegging of their tickets. So they said, "Why? Well, we're going to print our own tickets. We're going to use special ink. We're going to use make them really hard to copy. And that's how you're going to get into our concerts. And then people started help holding on to them because it was a proof of experience. It was a proof of knowledge for them that they could show off. That now, what flash forward to now... Well, not just is it easy to get a bootleg T-shirt or 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 product like that, but in a world where there's people literally in parking lots taking pictures of themselves in front of cars they don't own and pretending they're theirs, you don't know what to believe. Something that is quote unquote real, that you really have experienced, that you really have knowledge of, that you really are a fan of, that you really were at a concert when you say you were, is all about expressing your. It's it's a it's about flexing, but B, it's also about expressing your fandom. Something I've found, and I wonder if you found this too, I've had people hit me up about being involved in certain promotional products, you know, and people have heard my music, and they're like, we want to help you with your brand, blah, blah, blah. And they dance around the language of it being blockchain. You know, they'd be like, it's a proprietary fan experience that can't be replicated. And I'm like, well, why don't you just say it's a, it's a Web3 blockchain NFT based thing? The story around any early technology is dominated by who is having the most success with that technology. I hired a lot of my most amazing engineers at Disney who learned their craft by working for adult websites, right? The people who are doing NFTs are dealing in speculation early on. Right. So there's that shadow. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately what you're getting to is the fact that savvy providers of entertainment realize the audience doesn't care. The audience doesn't care whether you're using streaming servers versus HTTP servers. They don't care whether it's Web 2 or Web 3. Do you think there's hesitancy because people know that it's still controversial? My first conversation is with you is I've got a solution that you can put your stuff up, pay me once, and it will be taken care of forever. The next conversation is, huh, tell me more. Okay, no one can interfere with this because it's permanent. Yeah. Great, tell me more. Yeah, and that's the key to mass adoption. And I think that's going back to the Nirvana grunge story. When they broke through, young kids were like, oh, this is just awesome, raw, organic music. But all the like the music nerds were like, oh, well, it's, it's pop-infused, hardcore, thrash, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't matter. What mattered was that, that they were great and that they were relatable. I just see a lot of people doing mental gymnastics to try and explain blockchain when I think they're focusing on the wrong thing. 
focusing on focus on a you know something that gives someone delight, and that's what will d- delight or solve the problem. And not having delight is a problem, right? <laughs> you may not realize you've got that problem, but if I if I create something that makes you happy, that makes you want to share something else, then you don't care why it works. I know I built in a way that will make it grow faster, uh, that will make it last longer. But quite honestly, most people don't think down the road too much. They think about my immediate problem. We talked like maybe a year ago or six months ago about projects you were working on. And I just wanted to know what your experience has been with this and um, how it kind of codifies some of the things we've been talking about. Sure. Yeah. So I, I started looking around at at uh, the two ends of the, the blockchain spectrum, right? So it was first with OpenSea and the individuals who were doing stuff and selling and, and individuals or collectives of people or artists or whatever, who had a lot of time to to figure out what was going on and making a contract and, and doing this sort of thing and selling to other individuals. And I think that was awesome. That's uh, a little bit like eBay. And then on the other side of things, you've got the large companies who are like, huh, there may be something going interesting going on here. Um, let's put a team of 10, 20 engineers on this and figure this out. Let's throw our lawyers at this. Let's, let's, just, let's get involved. And you see that with the NBA, you see that with the NFL, you see that with Tom Brady raising X money for doing his autograph thing. You, you see that with, with Walmart and, and all these companies that are doing this GameStop. And I started seeing this whole group in the middle that don't have an IT team. They don't have the structure. They rely on platforms built for them to do something. And I have been a long uh, brewer of beer. I have a, I, I brew beer uh, once a month, uh, about a 20-gallon scale, but for fun. I appreciate craft beer. And I started looking at that, and I started thinking that is a really interesting market, right? There's 9,000 of them in the U.S. They have a product that is – they're using sometimes local artists, but they're using something to differentiate their product. It is a inherently social product. It is a product that is um, incredibly elastic in the price that people will pay for it because the better experience they have for it, they go to a tap room. They have an affinity for the brewer. They have an affinity for the for the style of beer. They have affinity for the artwork. They have affinity for the experience of consuming it uh, and sharing it with their friend. And I started thinking, wow, if I could just go and deliver this artwork to people, they would think that's cool. Right. This art, there's people who collect cans since 1935 when cans first came out. People have collected physical cans of artwork because they're so cool of beer. Uh, that's a very if you've ever tried to collect beer cans, it's it's a pain. Right. Because they they take up a lot of space. They're delicate. <laughs> they uh, there's such a proliferation of it. So I said, start off with solving that problem. Like, OK, can I make this an interesting way to look at a bunch of different. So on Bake Sale World, right, you can look at, you know, about right now, 50 different cans uh, of artwork and we've we've kind of put it into a template that looks we think delightful and we put the information about it right uh, beer i think and brewers and local craft brewers have a regional affiliation or a local affiliation right oh well, this is the san jose this is the san carlos this is the 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 seattle brewer that's doing something cool i want to support them i like it for whatever reason oh i'm really into hazy ipas oh i'm really into stouts whatever that kind of thing and so what we're trying to do is create this uh, ability for these brewers to get involved in what I call the block economy, right? Which is the interchange of a, cons- a customer using these implements to interact with a business. Now, 
that may be first about viewing artwork and, and, and just seeing it. It may eventually be as a reward. Hey, you're a regular at my cust- at my bar here. Here's a token of my appreciation, literally, to here's a ticket to an event, to here's something that you can give to someone else. If you really like this beer, you want to tell someone about it, great. Here's some things. Give them away. We've been doing this in breweries forever. Stickers, uh, T-shirts. People buy T-shirts in breweries not because it's a great deal on clothing. They buy it because they want to show off their knowledge of something that other people haven't experienced yet. And they get to tell them about it. You know, we saw this trend in the 90s with hard rock t-shirts from Miami or Honolulu or Kansas City, right? You would go and get it and it would be your proof of knowledge that I was at the hard rock cafe. Same thing going on here. And so we're, we're trying to create it so that people don't have to think about blockchain. They don't have to think about crypto. They're just like, great. Here's these, this product that I may have heard of or may not have heard of from this brewer. And I'm specifically making an effort to work with more breweries who are underrepresented in the brewer space, whether they're people of color, women, native, native peoples, and get them involved in this. Because I don't, I don't want it just being all individuals and all large companies that are participating in this block economy. Hmm. So it's a lot of it's about presentation, translating physical things into the Web3 world um, in a way that you know in 10 years people will still be like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Look at that. And it's the utility of it, yeah. right? So right now, there's a whole scale, right? Utility of delight of seeing it. We also have it once you buy, once you acquire a can uh, by whatever means, it's like, oh, this can is part of a collection. Here's the hazy IPAs from the Pacific Northwest. And so it's a mosaic completion. So now we got a little bit of game theory in here. It's like, huh, here are the other ones that I didn't know about. Let me, let me, let me sort of acquire those cans as well. And I say acquire because it doesn't necessarily have to be about buying them. This is not a cash, necessarily a cash grab, right? This is a, if the brewer wants to sell or distribute their product, they're welcome to. I've gone into plenty of breweries where they're selling their, their stickers of their artwork for a buck or two. And I get into a conversation with, and they're just giving them to me because they're like, yeah, like we're connecting. I see that you're a fan here. So it becomes this token that someone, uh, uh, this, a token of appreciation, token of affinity. It's that engagement between ultimately their customer and their business. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to build is more of those ways because everyone becomes a fan through different paths, right? There may be one route to fandom, but it's by making up all these different paths of getting involved in something and liking something and sharing or hearing about it from someone you trust or like that if you can sort of reach into those different ways. You, you do the same thing with your music, right? You, you, you engage those fans by talking to them, by providing them with artwork, by providing them with produced music and, and off the top of your head music, right? You're reaching into whatever they're interested in engaging with you. And then true engagement is something that's hard to do. And if you can expand how they do that, you know, if right now it's just you can you can engage with me by coming to my tap room or buying my beer in a store or buying my beer in someone else's restaurant. If I can now give you five more ways for someone to engage with your business, I think I've achieved something that is valuable to the rest of those brewers. That's great because you're a fan of beer. So that helps drive the energy for this project, huh? It is. But let's go back to the statement you made earlier of why don't people mention blockchain is because because you're interested in blockchain doesn't mean that someone else is going to care. 
right? So we're seeing a lot of people lead with, hey, I'm doing an NFT of my work. Well, what they hear is NFT and what they take with that is a technology. And if you say, hey, I'm, I'm creating this artwork for you. I'm going to deliver it to you in a way that's cool. Uh, or I'm just going to deliver it to you, right? That's all they care about. They don't care about the tech. Once you mention a technology, once you mention the method that you're going to deliver something, people are like, well, well why do I care about mm-hmm. that, right? It, it, it's the separation of how a car works to what a car means to them, right? A, most people who buy a car don't care how a car works. They'll provide that information, but that's second tier. They care about what they care about a car, miles per gallon or the efficiency or the comfort or the look, right? They don't, they don't, very few people care how many liters of engine it has, how much power it has. That's a secondary conversation or a tertiary conversation at best. They care, how does it look? Will it get me to work or, or make me feel better or more comfortable? If you have a project that you're excited about, talk about why you're excited about it from their perspective, not from your perspective. Your perspective is you're excited because you're playing in blockchain. From their perspective is I get to engage with with this artist in a way that's unique, that's interesting, that's different, that's new. There's so much data and there's so much, everyone has to make their own conclusions. Every new technology is bound to get better. The fact that what is not better about this technology is being vocalized, whether it's susceptible to phishing scams, like someone stealing your information by asking you or getting you to click on something, that's going to get addressed. The fact that it's got an environmental impact that is new to us on this, it uses a lot of computer power, is getting better. There's already amazing uh advances being made in that from proof of work to proof of stake, which uses far less computer problems and and computer energy, whatever the solution is, it's just getting, it's addressing those things. You kind of have to trust. It's like, yeah, every, every new technology is going to get better and get more efficient. Exactly. That's called being a meliorist that the, the world is in, is getting better through technology. I like that. I love to go and have conversations and, and learn from people. So it's not, for me, it's not about broadcasting what I'm working on. It's about having a conversation. That's why this has been fun is because I like to hear what you're working on and that's how I grow. That's awesome. And, and get better. But check out Big Sale World. That's kind of fun. I really like this conversation because I love your optimism and I love your desire to make the experience organic and real for the users. And kind of at the end of the day, that's what that's what being human should be about, making life more fun and interesting. So thanks, Andrew. That's It's been a lot of fun catching up with you. Thank you, David. Be sure to keep following us on Twitter, on Instagram. Join the R-Drive subreddit. Join us on Facebook. Join us on Discord. Join us on Telegram. We're everywhere. Thanks again for listening. I'm Andrew, and we'll be back soon.